Coming up on today's show, Sophie Keisha's ex denies soft-launching a new relationship. Brittany Dawn Davis's trial is postponed indefinitely. France set to ban parents exploiting their children for online fame. And the ATO sets its sights on influencers flogging off freebies. Hello and welcome to Outspoken. It's your dose of the hottest influencer and pop culture news twice a week. I'm Kate Torber and it's just you and I today, Soph. And I'm very excited because we can talk about your engagement party without Amy getting annoyed at us. Yeah, no objections from her. Well, I have felt a bit greedy because in Adelaide, it's been the long weekend and I thought that was the perfect weekend to hold my engagement party because... Next year, we have also taken up the long weekend with our wedding. Very greedy with those long weekends. (laughs) Particularly because the long weekend for March, it always falls around our birthday. Our birthday is the 14th when this episode goes out. So I feel like there's been so much going on that I'm sort of shocked now that it's going to be our birthday. Yeah, I know. Reese's parents kindly held a birthday dinner for me last night. It just didn't feel right. It doesn't feel like our birthday. I'm sure it will today when we're recording. Well, getting into the engagement party, I thought it was a really fun night. There was a bit of a stressful lead up because about three weeks before the party, the functions manager left that position. So we were (laughs) left with the president of the Surf Lifesaving Club who he was lovely, but it was all very last minute. There was a new catering company on board and we had a bit of a complicated night because the catering company dropped off the food. And then unfortunately... They haven't worked out that they needed waiters to take the food around. So our poor mum got stuck in the kitchen as well as other family members. And also, thank goodness your husband, Kate, and your new brother-in-law are in events because they were fantastic. Oh, they just kicked into gear. They were fabulous. I think they almost enjoyed their role in the kitchen because they were just getting things done. They were reheating the food, sending it out. Mum was doing an amazing job. I was trying to take platters around but stopped to talk to everyone. So I don't think I was as efficient. I have to say, I was pretty blown away with how we transformed the Life Saving Club because I took you guys for dinner there and you were pretty underwhelmed. But we had Brandon's parents nicely make these professional looking backdrops. I cut my fingers apart making a balloon garland and Brandon did such a good job with his dad setting up beforehand. So it was a team effort. Oh, it looked fantastic. I was really surprised when I walked in and the two staff at the Surf Life Saving Club, God, they worked hard. Those women oh, were amazing. They did such a good job and it was so kind because we really wanted our dog Archie there and they let us bring him in for photos <laughs> at the start of the night, which was so sweet. It's pretty funny because we joke that we are not dancers. Mm. And Brandon's family love a dance. They're from the country and they love really different music to what I'd say we would like. And Brandon and I had a pretty tough time picking the song list. So it was sort of like, let's pick some songs from the 90s and noughties that Sophie likes. Let's pick some from the 80s that Brandon and his family likes. And every time one of my songs came on, the dance floor was cleared. By fit, well, it was cleared by the Hancock side of friends and family, whereas <laughs> our side were into those songs, but we're not big dancers. It was almost like a bit of a dance off fire because as soon as the Hancock song came on, they just like rushed up and they almost did this. It was like they planned the dance routine beforehand. Oh, it was pretty impressive. I don't know if anyone listening knows the song Rock Lobster. I wasn't aware of it until I met Brandon because his family 
really puts everything oh, into rock lobster. It was insane. I had no idea what was going on. And the funniest thing was I was like, oh, this must be like a family dance. But then our best friend's husband, Chris, was joining in. I'm like, oh, this seems to be pretty well known. We had to get some cred up for Team Torba because we were looking pretty bad on mm. the dance floor. So you got your new family involved, Kate, your sister-in-law and brother-in-law who were professional dancers. And... I think they tore it up. Oh, you're forgetting Reese. Reese also pulled out the worm again when oh, Pony right. was on. So I was actually glad Dad was out of the room when that was all happening. But no, I think that they, you know, elevated Team Torber a little right. bit. Oh, well, it was such a fantastic night. I wish I could relive it again. I had so much fun and just so appreciative of all of our family and friends who came together to help. I have had enough with people trying to hold me accountable. Five months after splitting from her former fiancé Sophie Keisha, basketballer Maddie Garrick appeared to have soft-launched a new relationship. However, after teasing her followers, she confirmed a few days later the pair are just friends. Soph, I don't know if you're buying it, but can you take us back to the start where this all began? Yeah, well, Maddie surprised her followers on Tuesday night by sharing a photo of herself holding hands with fellow WNBA player Mattia Antisova during a visit to Vatican City. In the caption, Maddie didn't address the relationship status, but simply wrote Roma with the holding hands emoji. Now, in the comment section, Maddie tagged Mattia and wrote, we cute, dot, dot, dot. And Maddie's comment section obviously lit up with followers excited about this potential new relationship. One wrote, yay, you deserve to be happy, whilst another said, here for this. Now, for some context, Maddie moved to Italy in October to play basketball for a local team, and that's where she met Mattia. So Mattia is 21, and she relocated to Italy from North Macedonia. So Maddie and Sophie were doing long distance, and Sophie shortly after came to visit. And when she returned to Melbourne, she shocked everyone by announcing their split. And in the breakup announcement, Sophie alluded to infidelity. She wrote, when I proposed, I did it with the guarantee of loyalty, trust, and respect from my end. Now, after doing some stalking, it appears that the couple's outing took place around Valentine's Day. So Mattia shared a similar photo of the pair wearing the same outfits in Vatican City. And in the photo, Maddie is absolutely beaming as she leads Mattia through the cobblestone streets on what appears to be quite a romantic outing. Now, Mattia captioned that photo, talk nice to us. When I continued my stalking further, I noticed that Sophie Keisha actually liked one of Mattia's photos on October 17th. And to put that into perspective, Sophie announced the split six days later on October 23rd. In this photo, Mattia is dressed in a basketball uniform wearing a mask and Maddie commented under the photo, mask on, to which Mattia replied, never chase a bitch. Now I've been doing a bit of thinking about what this might've meant. I think Mattia might have been saying, I'm not chasing you. If you want to be with me, you have to end things with Sophie. Now, am I reading too much into this or not? Maybe. I mean, it is weird that Sophie liked the post, but it could have been one of those back off kind of likes. I'm aware of you. Yeah, I totally think her like was a passive aggressive like saying, I'm aware of what's going on. Yeah. Well, on Thursday, Maddie began backpedaling. So she uploaded a photo of her and Mattia to her Insta story, fresh out of the shower with towels wrapped around their heads and wrote, FYI, we are not dating. Hashtag just a tourist photo. Hashtag my tourist photographer. She then tagged Mattia in the story and wrote, soz babe. She then also updated the caption of the original photo that caused all the interest and wrote hashtag just a tourist pic. Are we buying this? Absolutely not. I think that these two are definitely an item. 
why tease these photos? Yeah, Maddie knows the response she's going to get from posting this sort of photo. So she's either being really cruel to Sophie and trying to play with her emotions, just say if it's true and she's not actually in a but relationship. But that doesn't buy into things because Maddie's kind of distanced herself from the whole thing. She didn't really comment on the breakup at all. It doesn't really fit her MO. Yeah, I know. I feel like they are in a relationship. I have no idea what's going on because if they were trying to be sympathetic to Sophie, they would keep things under wraps. And say she is a genuine friend, then it seems like they're trying to get some sort of reaction from it. Well, a couple of months ago, Sophie was doing the same thing, posting with a lot of other women on red carpets. Maybe it was a bit of a fuck you. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Well, I am very keen to see what else unfolds. Get ready with us for Ms. Peter and Jamal. Let's go, baby. The ATO is continuing its crusade against influencers, this time targeting social media stars selling freebies on secondhand sites. So if we've definitely noticed a trend of influencers selling gifted items on sites like Depop, some have even taken a step further creating spin-off Instagram accounts to flog off items to followers. The ATO is seeing this as a real issue. Mm, the ATO has put out a stern warning to influencers saying they should not be double dipping and cashing in on gifted items. And the ATO says it will be using sophisticated data matching techniques to catch influencers out. It isn't clear yet what technology is involved, but I'm all for it. I just think why should influencers get paid a lot of money to promote a product to their followers and then turn around and try and make additional money by flogging it off online? This has never made any sense to me. Yeah, it's always puzzled me, particularly because these influencers are getting paid for promoting this product that their followers will want to emulate. And then they suddenly just see it being flogged off and depop. It makes the partnership very insincere and just really bad for the brand in yeah, general. It becomes apparent that the influencer doesn't actually align with the brand because they seem like they can't stand having this item of clothing hanging up in their wardrobe any longer, particularly those influencers who just throw it out the next week. And this comes after M Davies was caught out this week selling three pairs of sunglasses on Depop that she promoted a week prior. So awkwardly, the partnership was a brand called Cito. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And they did a collaboration with Dom and Ella from Math. So she wanted between $59 and $65 for each pair of sunglasses. Like, what is the point when you're only making $150? She was probably paid a couple of grand for the post. Why not just give the sunglasses to friends or donate it to charity instead of trying to cash in? I know, it's just such a bad look. And also... Why sell them so quickly? Like maybe mm. wait a couple of months. Yeah, it's not <laughs> like they're a big item that you can't hide in a cupboard. I, I do understand there are influencers who receive an abundance of clothes. For instance, this week, Sofa Dofer shared on her Instagram account that she had 13 huge boxes full of PR clothes, but she was doing something fantastic, which I think is a great idea for other influencers. So she wrote that she is selling them through the Hunter Markets with 100% of proceeds going to Ronald McDonald House. So I think that's a really positive statement that influencers can give away these clothes that help a charity and give back. And also, I mean, I think Sofa Dover is clearly doing it for the right reasons, but it's a bit of good PR for them too. Mm. I can see how it would be so embarrassing and infuriating for a brand to actually pay an influencer to promote something. And then for it to come out publicly that they flogged it off. And this is why it isn't surprising that The Courier reported that some brands are actually blacklisting influencers who get caught out selling their gifted items online. So an industry insider said many designers have alerts online to see when their items have been listed. And I've heard stories of the listings being traced back to talent. 
An agency manager who requested not to be named in the article also told the newspaper that some agencies despise the practice and one influencer recently got caught out immediately listing around $15,000 worth of clothing on Depop after they had been gifted it directly by the brand. Gee, that's so bad. The thing is, how do you feel about micro-influencers selling gifted items as opposed to the larger influencers? Do you think that they they have more of a right to do so? Yeah, I don't have as much of an issue with micro-influencers doing it because for them, it's mostly a side hustle. So they're gifted products in return for usually a testimony of a product. And often there isn't any money that's passing hands just to contra deal. But isn't it a little bit deceptive to their audience? Because micro-influencers have such trust from their audience, mm. and this is usually built on giving legitimate testimony. It really depends, though, if the micro-influencer has full reign to give their genuine opinion. So if it's a situation where, to say, a cosmetic company identifies this micro-influencer who has a really great following, everyone seems quite engaged in their content, they send them a bunch of stuff and they give their genuine opinion saying, hey, this eyebrow pencil, not so good. They should then have the right to either sell that on or give that eyebrow pencil to charity because they don't want it. But the thing is, do they really want to sell an eyebrow pencil? I mean, you probably couldn't anyway because it's an, just just say it's a top. Would they really want to sell the top on if it's not good and it's not good quality? Well, I can think of heaps of clothes that I don't like anymore that I purchase myself that I just flog off on Facebook for, you know, money true i don't know i think it's pretty murky i think that if you are getting gifted something from a brand you should just not sell it i think it should be Mm. a blanket rule no matter how many followers you have if you really don't want the item in your house just donate it Mm. well in this courier article one fashion insider who chose also not to be named this article was full of people who didn't want to be named so you do have to question the legitimacy a bit so she argued that influencers should be encouraged to sell pre-loved clothes they don't wear to promote circular fashion and she did make sort of a good point she said that we look to influencers to test and trial trends which leave them an abundance of stock that they don't have a need for once they've created the content she continued saying we should celebrate influencers selling it to their communities as they're promoting sustainable fashion now this is where she lost me with her argument because most of the time influencers are promoting fast fashion items Mm. which are encouraging young people to buy the latest statement pieces which they will eventually chuck out in a few months time so they're really encouraging this overconsumption, but then wanting a pat on the back for selling on one item that they promoted, which they're then in turn making a profit for. But doesn't donating the product also promote sustainable fashion or giving it away mm. to their audience? Like, why do they have to make monetary gain from yeah. it? I really think that this could all be solved by items being loaned out or hired to influencers for their content shoots. Mm. And this would make sense because a couple of months ago, we spoke about how the ATO is now going to be taking influencers' gifted items into consideration when working out their tax return. So the cost of those items will be tacked on to their overall Uh, taxable income, which I think is a really great idea. And it's just so clear that the implications of these crackdowns have really left the industry readjusting their approach to gifting. That's interesting because if they get taxed on the gift and then sell the gift, do they get taxed on the income that comes in from the gift? Like it's a bit of a nightmare to work out. Yeah. What a nightmare for accountants. A lot of people watching this probably know, maybe there's some people that don't. I can't speak on it yet, but you better believe that I will when it's done. It is trial week for me. 
The trial of the US fitness influencer accused of deceptive business practices has been postponed indefinitely. The state of Texas is suing Brittany Dawn Davis over a fitness plan that officials say violated consumer protection law and misled people with eating disorders. So if we discussed last week that Brittany was set to face trial on Monday, what's happened? Yeah, officials at the Dallas County Courthouse told media that there were seven trials on the docket ahead of Britney's trial. So that's what led to the postponement. And the officials also said that they were very surprised by the media attention surrounding the case. It's so funny to me that they were surprised because there has been widespread attention online, particularly on Reddit, as this is one of the biggest public reckonings regarding influencer accountability so far. They probably had no idea who she was and were like, "What, what is the media doing here? Now, no new date has been announced yet with officials stating they weren't sure when they were going to get to the case. When the case finally does go to trial, though, it is expected to last for about a week. It's quite funny because the postponement appears to be news to Brittany as well, because she shared a vlog last week entitled The Tea dot 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 It's Trial Week. And in the video, she documented her weekend before the trial. Now, despite the clickbait title about sharing the tea, she said she couldn't speak on the trial yet, but you better believe she will be. Let's throw to what she said. There's so much, there's so much that I wish I could say, and I can't, I can't say it yet. So that is that. I really am not even comfortable sharing how I'm feeling or doing right now, if I'm being honest. Like, I'm just not comfortable sharing anything about this lawsuit and this trial. Yeah, so there's that. It makes me feel deeply uncomfortable that she's trying to monetize this trial. She's upset so many people who follow her. It's so serious what is being claimed against her, and... I feel like this wouldn't look good to the jury that she's trying to profit off this. Oh, no. And it was the first time I've actually watched a video from her channel. And it was a very strange mix of faith and fitness. So she started her weekend measuring out this health shot and then started reciting a passage from the Bible. We also, of course, saw her doing a workout and eating a healthy lunch. And I know she has changed to a faith vlogger, but I was really taken aback about how much she spoke about her faith and God in this vlog. It was very full on. So she appeared keen to promote the fact that she spent her weekend at church and also at a charity event. And she mentioned that they had to say goodbye to their second foster child and were preparing for a third. She also dropped in there randomly that she was two days late on her period and may have to do a pregnancy test. It was all very bizarre. It was like this weird PR stunt where she was trying to prove what a nice person she is, but then clickbait this trial Mm. at the same time. To me, I take it as she's trying to get sympathy from people. Woe was me. I'm such a great person. Yeah. Why is this happening to me? Yeah. Now it appears the trial may have been delayed due to the $1.3 million in transactions made to Britney's PayPal account that have not yet been accounted for in court filing. So on March 1, the state accused the defense of attempting to obscure the truth by not providing adequate information. This included only providing documentation that accounted for only 10% of Britney's sales. The defense claimed that they provided everything they had and blamed a web hosting company for losing a server containing the information (laughs) that the state is seeking. That's convenient. It always happens in these cases. Oh, sorry, this is lost. We have we can't find this. Yeah, what's even more convenient is apparently Brittany has lost access to her PayPal mm. account and a lot of the emails have been deleted or not preserved. Now, following the defense's admission, the state requested to delay the trial for at least three months, stating its case will suffer substantial prejudice if it can't spend more time seeking information about Brittany's business transactions. 
Now, the judge has not addressed the request to push back the trial date. However, the fact it didn't begin on Monday does indicate the motion is being considered. And it seems like a popular decision on Reddit. While people were disappointed that they couldn't, you know, Mm -hmm. that the trial hadn't started and they couldn't hear all the goss, it seems like it's a good thing that the state has time to get more information and evidence on Brittany. Mm, We will be keeping a close eye on this case and providing some updates when it finally does go to trial. Mummy vlogging and family channels could soon be a thing of the past in France. This week, a bill restricting parents exploiting their children from online fame has passed in France's lower house of parliament. Kate, this legislation is the first of its kind to be introduced. How is it set to protect children? Well, it's important to firstly note that the new legislation isn't proposing a total ban on posting photos of children on social media. Instead, it's all about introducing to parents this concept of a child's private life. So parents would be legally responsible to monitor the images of their child that are posted online and France deems people under 18 as children so this would be a very interesting concept as kids get older and start going onto platforms themselves now the new legislation means public officials could intervene if images were deemed as seriously undermining the dignity or integrity of a child I wonder how France is going to determine this so what you're saying is that if a parent posts a photo that is inappropriate they are held legally responsible yeah that's right so they really need to monitor what they post and also what their children are posting and it Mm. seems like these laws have been brought in as a response to family vlogging channels but also to the trend at the moment of parents sharing humiliating videos of their kids online so there's a lot of trends on tiktok for example there's one going around the poo trend and it's like basically parents ask their kid to pass them some toilet paper and then they Mm. smear fake poo onto the kid's hand and film their reaction and essentially it's all these pranks that set their kids up to react in an over-the-top way and embarrass them that they're trying to put a halt on this legislation is all very new i'm wondering if it works on the basis of followers reporting a post that they deem is inappropriate to instagram or facebook well you would assume the general public would be a part of the monitoring process we've seen that here with the ad standards where people are asked to dob in an influencer who's not promoting their advertising correctly and i think a big part of it is that it is so hard to control the dissemination of posts online and the associated risks involved and that's why france is trying to get a stranglehold over this issue because sharenting has been identified as one of the main causes of a child's privacy being invaded and for those who haven't heard the word before sharenting is defined as the practice of using social media to share news and images of children and in this instance the legislation is particularly targeting family vlogs made by influencers so i'm assuming those type of people are going to be on the top of the list that are monitored this is a really positive move by france and one that i hope we see adopted by australia I completely agree because I think people don't realize how much harm they're putting their kids under when they share their lives online. Firstly, kids are known to be more harassed and bullied if their lives are put online. And there also is a very real risk that content of children could end up on child exploitation Mm. forums. It's very disturbing that 50% of photos shared on those types of forums were initially posted by parents online. And there was a study in 2018 that found that parents will on average post 1,300 photos and videos of their child by their 13th birthday. 
That's a really disturbing stat. And I think it's one that will shock a lot of our listeners. I know a lot of our listeners are young mums and you do put out these images of your children online with the best intentions at heart. I think it just shows how important it is to have private Facebook accounts and also obviously private Instagram accounts and to really think about what sort of content you are going to post of your child online. Yeah, exactly. Well, I am interested to see how this legislation goes. It's pretty clear that the French president, Emmanuel Macron, has a clear focus on protecting children. In 2020, he introduced a law to protect child influencers from using their social media accounts to run a business. So I think he's a bit of a trailblazer Mm. in this area. I had to laugh because the way you pronounce his last name, it sounded like Macaroon. I've probably French. (laughs) Well, I've probably pronounced it completely wrong now. I'm a bit nervous about that. Tyga is now dating Avril Lavigne. Why is this a big deal? Let me show you. Avril Lavigne has sent the internet into a spin after she was spotted making out with rapper Tiger at Paris Fashion Week. It comes just two weeks after calling off her engagement to another rapper by the name of Mod Sun. The unlikely pairing and close turnaround isn't the only thing raising eyebrows, though, with the internet in disbelief over the immense and awkward amount of connections <laughs> this pair share. All these connections are wild. So one TikTok user has gone viral after creating a mind map where she traced all of the intertwining connections between Avril and Tiger. So the TikTok user called Abby attracted 34 million views when her video went live last week. I want to go through this mind map because it is quite unbelievable. I think we should get started with Tiger's ex, Black China, first. So he has a baby with Black China, and Black China is connected to Rob Kardashian because they were previously in a relationship. They also had a TV show together, and they do share a child together now. And that child is Dream. Yeah, that's right. Then, of course, Kylie Jenner comes into this mind map because she is Rob's half-sister and also Tiger's ex, Girlfriend. I remember when that all went down, it was absolutely wild. Like people were losing their minds over it. But this gets crazier with the connection to Avril Lavigne. Yeah, so Kylie Jenner's other half sibling is, of course, Brody Jenner, who appeared on The Hills. Now, he dated Avril quite seriously a number of years ago. The pair were so serious that they went to Kim Kardashian's wedding to Chris Humphrey. So then Kim and Chris Humphrey's come into this mind map. Now, if we circle back to Tiger, his ex-wife, Jordan Craig, used to be in a relationship with Khloe Kardashian's infamous ex and baby daddy, Tristan Thompson. Do these people just only move in this circle? It is wild. It continues. Kourtney Kardashian is then included on this mind map because she is married to Blink-182 drummer Travis Barker. So you may be asking, what is this connection with Travis? Well, Travis's protege is Mod son avril's ex how messy and convoluted is this geez it's so messy even messy for the kardashians and they're known to be pretty incestual with their relationships imagine trying to organize a family function or a wedding (laughs) with this lot going on you'd have to be trying to work out who can't be seated next to who oh you couldn't do it i mean maybe they're just so used to the craziness being in this a-list celebrity world that they just sort of decided to keep things in this one group and see what happens it reminds me of that stereotypical popular group at high school where it's all very incestual everyone's dated each other it's sort of like one tree hill they've all been with one another Yeah, a little bit. Well, I think that's all we've got time for today. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Outspoken. This episode was recorded on the traditional land of the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains. We pay respect to elders past and present. 
And if you have enjoyed today's show, please leave us a five-star review. And don't forget to join in on all the fun in our Facebook group, which is Outspoken, the podcast community. Also, give us a follow on TikTok and Instagram. Our handle is Outspoken underscore the underscore podcast. 